They've been waiting on this one. Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. This is your British Grand Prix review in which we will discuss the championship protagonists colliding, 50 brilliant laps from Charles Leclerc, a home pole and victory by Lewis Hamilton and more. My name is Adam Williams, I am your host and as ever we are joined by our good friends Joe and Jimmy. Gentlemen, what did you think of that? British Grand Prix weekend. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah, as a whole, it was one of the most exciting weekends of the season. Um, you know, from I suppose some sets of fans enjoyed it more than others, but yeah. There's there's a smug grin on Jimmy's face just there. Did did you enjoy this weekend? Definitely, amazing weekend. Um, it was always brewing. It was quite cordial the title fight, but uh, but yeah, it suddenly explodes. Uh, it, it looks like it's going to be exciting for the rest of the season. Explosive is the word, isn't it, Jimmy? Now, before we get into the details, the nuts and bolts of it all, what I wanted to ask was, first of all, what did you think of the format of this weekend? Because for those of you that need reminding, on Friday we had practice one and then qualifying in the evening, which was in my opinion, good because it meant that I could get back from home to watch it. Then there was Saturday, there was a, a, a kind of practice which was a bit weird because everyone had already qualified, and then a sprint race on Saturday, which decided the grid order for the proper Grand Prix 52 laps on Sunday. Um, what did you think of that format? Joe, I'll start with you. I think the line that I thought that summed it up the best was that if it was the current normal format, I wouldn't be screaming for it to be replaced. I was, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty interesting. It was good to mix it up. I think I do prefer normal qualifying. Um, and I certainly would prefer it on tracks like Singapore, Monaco, that kind of thing. But as a mix-up on a track where you can get overtaken, it was quite good. I know what you mean. It needs some ironing out in terms of qualifying pole position being given to the winner of the sprint race on a Saturday Mm. as well. That felt a bit odd because it should have been Lewis's pole really from Friday, but there you go. And These things need ironing out, of course. Jimmy? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, as Joe said, uh, some tracks suit it more than others. I mean, it wouldn't be much fun at Monaco or maybe Spain. So maybe a mixed sort of a mixed approach. Um, but yeah, I thought it was very exciting. Um, and also, I, I was thinking about this. Um, potentially, um, instead of... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you could probably do away with qualifying altogether. Or no, you'd have to have qualifying, I suppose. But for the starting grid... Uh, for the race it would be good if it was the fastest laps in the sprint race that decide, uh, decided the grid so then you sort of got an element of the person being the fastest but then it's a bit fairer so it's a bit more sort of um, a bit more exciting potentially that's an interesting idea actually because you'd still give the points to the top three drivers so mm. there would still be an incentive not to back off and then go for a lap potentially there could be challenges with all sorts of these things, but I do like that, Jimmy, in principle. But imagine George Russell. George Russell spins out, pits, gets a nice set of soft tyres, lots of clean air, 
he could end up fifth, sixth, which would be quite exciting. F1's a meritocracy. Is Well, it, it's traditionally been a, a meritocracy. It depends if you, you want to move away from that slightly. I suppose we kind of are next season by hopefully bringing the cars closer together and a cost cap, but it's interesting. Yeah, it is for sure. I think it's a good thing, though, and it was it was much better than I had predicted, mm-hmm. so... We'll give it that one. Um, But let's not talk about that anymore because we have a weekend to rate. Jimmy, what would you rate that weekend out of 10? There was plenty. Uh, I would, I know this, I always sort of, sort of do this sort of stuff, but I'd go 10. Uh, I thought it was an amazing, yeah, I thought it was an incredible race. Um, I thought, you know, a bit of controversy. Not only that, but it was actually exciting. There's lots of overtakes, um, which I thought was brilliant. Um, and yeah, glad that Lewis got the win. Um, so yeah, I'd give so it a 10. So it's the best sure. race weekend you've ever seen? <laughs> Not quite, no. Probably the best this season, though. Okay. I would say. So 10 seems fair enough. Um, Joe? I suspect you're not going to go all the way to 10. No, I'll, I'll go for an 8. I think it was really exciting. Obviously, drama, controversy, overtakes, all the good stuff that we want. I feel it loses a couple of marks just because I never personally like it when someone wins and their biggest rival is out of the race. I I, don't, I feel like that's just not, it's not quite there, you know. But otherwise, great race. You're kind of... Um knocking marks off reminds me of someone else i heard rating the race itself he said uh that the start and the last few laps could probably get a nine or a ten but the bit in the middle is probably about a five or a six it was Mm -hmm. fairly average although i was still on the edge of my seat throughout so yeah i think towards the end of the first stint it got a little bit boring but other than that other than that it was uh it was very exciting. So high ratings for the British Grand Prix. Not that we're surprised after the drama that happened from Friday to Sunday. I think it's time that we get into it, isn't it? So, first of all, let's go for our biggest winner award. Joe? Can't be anyone but Lewis Hamilton. 25-point swing in the championship. Closest to get right up. Puts the pressure back on Red Bull. And... Um, no matter what you think of the incident, a sensational drive afterwards, uh, the way he got the 10-second penalty, got back past everyone and stalked Leclerc, scythed him down and uh, overtook at the same corner that he had the incident at. So, yeah, top performance, no matter what you think of the uh, 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 his involvement in the incident. Well argued. I like the word scythed. It reminds me of James Allen. <laughs> the commentator most notably used about Lewis Hamilton yeah. in that 2008 season. And Lewis Hamilton scythes down the inside. So it's a bit like Crofty saying, down the inside <laughs> goes Daniel Ricciardo. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he is definitely a big winner. It's maybe not the way that he wanted to win, as Joe alluded to, but... He was happy. He's won his home Grand Prix for the eighth time. Mm-hmm. He's back in the fight. Maybe. I don't know if his car's going to be fully up to it against Red Bull, but yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute, but he might have got in Red Bull's head rent-free. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jimmy, who is your biggest winner? 
Uh, I agree with you. It has to be Hamilton. Uh, and also Mercedes, because they're only four points off the Constructors' Championship now. Uh, Perez didn't score any points. So yeah, Mercedes, uh, predominantly Lewis, uh, but also Mercedes. Cool. Makes sense. For me, I nearly said Lewis because why wouldn't you? But the reason I didn't is because I've said the title fight is the biggest winner Mm -hmm. because it's really ignited it now. As Jimmy was talking about earlier, it's an explosive uh, rivalry that you've got going on between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Max seemingly thinks that Lewis did some dangerous driving and it was unsportsmanlike for Hamilton to celebrate. We must make it clear that Lewis didn't know that Max was in hospital but he was only in hospital for, for checks. He he had got out of the car and he is fine, which is the most important thing. But yeah, it's, it's really lit it up and there'll be some predictions for the rest of the season from me. Although I did predict that Lewis and Max would never come together. So <coughs> I obviously got that wrong, didn't I? Um, so we'll give it to Lewis Hamilton and his championship um, coming back to life. But, it was a big race in the championship. Who was the biggest loser? Jimmy? You've got to say Max Verstappen, haven't you? Um, he crashed out, didn't score any points. Um, and also sort of bruised his ego a bit potentially as well. It's not only the points, it's the psychological damage which may occur uh, from the, the incident. Um. So we talk about psychological damage. I think now's a good time for us to get into the analysis. Okay. Um, so... Lewis Hamilton, you can you can read more about this on my blog, by the way. Lewis Hamilton comes down the inside after selling Verstappen a dummy going into Stowe. The fastest corner on the track and is 180 miles an hour they go through there. Now, Lewis pulled up alongside Max on the right-hand side. And then Max, he opened the steering briefly before turning in. Now, he turned in. Lewis was still there. Both drivers were committed and from where I'm sitting it's a racing incident because neither of them are faultless. They both went into the same line almost expecting the other to get out of the way. At some point someone has to pull out otherwise an accident will always occur in, in this sort of thing. But what you can't do is criticise either of them for going for an overtake or criticise Hamilton for going for an overtake because if no one went for overtakes then there wouldn't be any in racing and um, that's as far as I'm going to describe it you can obviously add your details that you want to add but there's been a lot of controversy as to who was to blame the Stewarts they decided to give Hamilton a 10 second penalty which put him back a couple of positions later in the race um, obviously, he still went on to win, but I know Joe feels strongly about that. Uh, the fact that Lewis Hamilton won shouldn't decide what the penalty is. You might argue that because Verstappen was out of the race, that was a big enough penalty already. Therefore, the stewards were giving Hamilton a 10-second penalty. Not to balance it out because it's not really a, 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 an equal comparison, but to kind of give Mercedes some sort of punishment for Hamilton's part in the crash. What were your instincts at the time? And 
what are your thoughts a couple of days after the incident? We'll start with you, Joe. Um, I think it's a racing incident. I do think it's slightly more Lewis's fault than Max's, if you're talking about the isolated incident. And the reason I say that, and I think the most damning bit of evidence against Lewis, would be the picture different if you look at the pictures of the pass on Leclerc and Verstappen the difference in where Hamilton's car is he's clearly missed the apex um that said I almost think you don't have you shouldn't look at it as an isolated incident um because Max's style of defending is very much or or, or attacking is this is my corner where I I'm either going to come out ahead or we're going to crash and sometimes the other driver is going to have to put that, you know, when Lewis has already yielded several times this season, at some point he's got to put his foot down and say, if you're going to keep doing this, maybe we're just going to keep crashing instead of me letting you past. Um, I think the most obvious one was in Spain, where he dived down the first corner and Lewis had to take quite a severe avoid, it, avoid an action, otherwise they likely would have both been out. Um, so, yeah. That, that is an interesting thing because in most of the past combats uh, between Hamilton and Verstappen, Hamilton's been the one on the outside mm. and therefore had the ability to pull out wide. Um, but this time he was on the inside. Now, if Hamilton had stayed committed to that corner in Spain, in the words of Christian Horner, Hamilton would have ended up in the fence. And that's up to him. Um, obviously... We'll, we'll get we'll get into more of uh, what Christian or Karen Horner, as I <laughs> I'm, I called him this weekend, uh, had to say. But Jimmy, I just want to get your thoughts first of all. Yeah, I agree with Joe uh, for sure. Um, but in regards to the the apex, everybody's saying, "Oh, he needs to. He was going to miss the apex anyway." You've got to sort of realise that he's got a full tank of fuel on board. Um, and also, it's a 180 mile an hour corner. It's all very good scrolling through slow motion and going, oh, he could have been six inches closer to the apex and all that sort of jazz. But when it's the heat of the moment and you're going at 180 miles an hour around a corner, um, it's very difficult to get a uh, get the line right. Um, and I also thought that it was Hamilton's corner. And Verstappen can't just do whatever he wants, which he tends to do quite a lot of the time. Well, that, that's it. Uh, Toto Wolf sent an email to Michael Massey, didn't he? Uh, with a diagram saying that if the car is a certain amount alongside, which it was. Mm. Hamilton was alongside him at one point. He was never ahead, but he was alongside him. It means that both cars need to give racing room. Now, that was possible when it came to Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris later in the race at the same corner uh, when, when they were being overtaken by Lewis Hamilton. There's, there's no question that Max turned in expecting Hamilton to get out of the way. Also, to add, um, with Max, he'd pushed Hamilton closer to the inside. He'd squeezed him yeah. to the wall compared to the other two. So that meant that Hamilton had a, a, a more difficult time in terms of hitting that apex. So I, I would say it is more Hamilton's fault. He's put his neck on the line or by by putting himself up the inside of that corner but as joe has said it's not necessarily always lewis's role to get out of the way and if the shoe was on the foot 
on the other foot, sorry, we all know that Verstappen would not have pulled out of that move. And that brings me on to Christian Horner because I doubt Christian Horner would have attacked his own driver and uh, accused Verstappen of being um, desperate or any of the other words that he was going around um, the media outlets uh, talking about Hamilton's driving and calling for a ban. Christian Horner's my biggest loser for this weekend um, just because it it felt like despite him calling Hamilton the desperate one, he looked desperate. Of course he's going to be emotional after having his car written off and his second son uh, being bruised uh, by the ego. Um, and of course the championship lead decreasing, but I think he went too far. I I don't know, I almost feel like him and then the Verstappen tweet later on that evening, that fueled the flame in terms of 100% blaming Hamilton um, that led to so much hate and abuse coming towards Lewis Hamilton. Um, and of course, I'm not going to ignore the, the racial abuse that Hamilton received. And I'm not saying that Rebel are directly linked, but I would say that they played a big part in it. And there is no room for racism in Formula One sport or in any part of life. And we would never stand for that. Um, but I do believe that Jimmy has something to say. Yeah, I do believe that Horner and Red Bull in particular acted completely inappropriately. Um, they were acting like Donald Trump um, would do if he was a team principal, I think. That's the most accurate way of describing it. Never seen Christian Horner so angry and it almost felt like he was playing up to his drive to survive role of being being the Karen. Um, anyway, Joe, what are your thoughts on Christian's ranty behaviour following the race? I just think he was looking to kind of deflect attention almost off the incident itself. It, it was always going to be a positive thing, wasn't it, for Lewis, winning his home Grand Prix? Yeah. And... That was going to give him momentum, and it might well do, but he was trying to take as much of that away as possible. Mm -hmm. it, it seemed quite obvious from the outside. Um, what I actually saw today was that Red Bull are looking at hiring lawyers to get Lewis Hamilton banned <laughs> and a, a harsher penalty. So they're really not giving up on it. He is Trump, isn't he? That's what Trump it is do. like. Stop the I'm getting an army of lawyers involved <laughs> right now. Um. Anyway, uh, he's emotional. Joe, we'll come to you for the biggest loser. Well, we've mentioned uh, two out of three Red Bull people, so I might as well make it three out of three. I'll go for... Well, I'll add the other driver, Sergio Perez. Disastrous weekend. Messed it up in basically every session. Um so, completing the sort of Red Bull trilogy of losers. Um, I can see the glee on Jimmy's face. <laughs> yeah. You don't like Red Bull, do you, Jimmy? No, they're a fizzy drinks manufacturer. <laughs> They've got no place in Formula <laughs> 1. They should be brought out by Porsche or Audi or something, and Horner should be banned from all, every Formula 1 race. Uh, Helmut Marco should go as well. They should all go away and put Porsche or Audi. Keep Adri Adrian Newey, because he's a solid designer. But all the rest, they can bugger off. And there's Jimmy's opinion on our losers this week. There were plenty of great moments this weekend. Let's talk about some positive stuff. So, 
What was your moment of the weekend? I'll throw it straight back to Joe. See what he's saying. Because there's plenty, isn't there? Fernando Alonso starts, I think. Pure genius. Um, he's always been good at starts. You know, there's plenty of classic ones. You know, the one in a Ferrari at Spain. He, he, you know, he used to get that Ferrari off the line like nothing I've ever seen. And uh, he's carried on in the same vein that he, uh, that he left and gained... What was it? How many positions did he gain on the first lap? He went from 11th to 5th, 11th I believe. to 5th. I mean, that's unbelievable. He was just... Everyone else was breaking for the corner. He was just saying... It's like... I don't know if you've ever played the F1 games, but especially a few years ago, they used to be really bad at the start because they just sort of queue up in the corner. You used to just be able to drive past them. And um, Fernando Alonso just did that in real life. Um, it, was, it was really quite special. So... Uh, yeah. There was that puff of dirt as well going in his face, and he kept his foot in, didn't mm, he? Yeah. It's just pure bravery, passion, and brilliance. And that's why I was so happy to see that Alonso was coming back to Formula One this year. Oh, and yeah. he's really I mean, coming back, isn't he? I mean, he, he might not be in that elite category of drivers anymore. Who knows? We'd have to see him in a, good, in a great car, but he's still got it. Like, you, there are certain things you never, you never lose. Um, and he's just great. Um, and I'd like to just throw in his uh, his weaving as well because he I thought it was a bit ridiculous, but it did give me a good chuckle that he made his car about ten miles wide by just. <laughs> Jimmy, your moment of the weekend. It was Seb Vettel for going into the uh, grandstands and picking litter. Um, there's a lot of sort of ethos about sustainability and all that sort of stuff and being green and all that sort of thing. Don't know if you know, but they used uh, 30,000 kilograms of biofuel to run all the generators for Silverstone, which reduces carbon emissions by 90%. Um, and the, the nice thing about Vettel is he's actually doing something that, that's proactive. He's not just saying, oh, we need to you know, cut emission to zero and then going off in his private jet. You know, he's doing things... Actions speak louder than words, right? Exactly, yeah. And he's doing things which people can relate to and people actually value him for. Um, yeah, he's just turned into a really nice guy. And he a, a always was. Credit to F1. <laughs> I mean, at Ferrari, when he bumped into Lewis uh, in uh, in Baku, he wasn't particularly nice. Um, and he got a bit mental in uh, in Canada as well, with sort of saying that he's just, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my, uh, what, what was the award? Uh, your moment of the week. That was my moment of the week. Yeah. yeah, he's brilliant, isn't he? So we've had some great moments there. I thought that one of you was going to talk about the Hamilton, the incident, the Hamilton and Verstappen crash, or maybe the overtake for the lead that, that Hamilton did on Leclerc in the penultimate lap. But I'm not picking either of those either because... That Hamilton Verstappen crash isn't just moment of the weekend for me, it's moment of the season so far. Um, my moment was George Russell's qualifying lap, going round Silverstone on his own, being cheered the whole way around. It was a roar, you could hear it. And there was pressure on him, but he qualified eighth, the ninth quickest car on the grid. Yes, he didn't get points again this this time. The one time he did get a top 10 finish, there weren't points handed out to the top 10. But I'm, I'm starting to come round to the fact that Mercedes do need to put him into the car. Now, I knew that he had to go eventually, but 
I think Mercedes just need to take the pain on the chin that could potentially come with Russell and Hamilton in the car and go for it because he is ready and he can learn a lot from Hamilton in the next two years um, if Hamilton's staying for just two more. Um, and oh, It's just great to see beautiful British talent in a beautiful British Grand Prix track like Silverstone. Right, what's next? Honourable oh, mention. It is the honourable mention next, but before I do that, I just want to give a special mention, which is kind of the same thing, to the to the Hamilton Commission, because that came out last week. Um, there's some great work that he and his team have done in terms of investigating Formula One and motorsport in general, and how minority uh, communities can get into engineering and motorsport. So... If you do get a chance, go and check out uh, the statistics, but also what they're going to do next with that information because he's not just come up with some stats. He's actually provided um, some ways in which Formula One and motorsport can be more diverse and inclusive. So that's some really positive work done there, um, which we can applaud. Um <laughs> Let's get on to our honourable mention then. Go on, Joe, give it to us. Um, I might go with Valtteri Bottas, partly because, um, you know, I think did well playing the team game, you know. It's obviously what he's been asked to do this year. Um, uh, I think he did a really solid race overall. Um, just didn't have the pace to catch Leclerc. Um, but also I kind of just wanted to discuss the the whole letting past thing because no no team in the world there would not deploy team orders um and yet oh but Valtteri Bottas gifted Hamilton that win after he it's a hollow victory he, he, he drove 10 seconds up the road in about 10 laps you know I mean he would have got past Bottas anyway everyone knows he would have so I mean, why why would Mercedes sabotage their own car? It makes sense. I mean, I've I've saw Red Bull fans saying that that like you know they're bad. Perez let Verstappen passed in Spain. I think it was Spain. Perez let they gave Perez a team order. And they and they said great teamwork. Exactly, and but this was like the most slam dunk team order of all time. Like no one would not do that. Valtteri almost radioed Mercedes to say, when am I getting out of the way? Mm-hmm. It's just... <laughs> but he, d- he did it well, inverting the cars and still holding off <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Norris. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he played the team game well, brought home the points, and he's not far off third place now in the championship, which is where he should really be. Yeah. Norris is still putting in great performances, a fourth place on Sunday. Uh, so fair play to him for keeping that. Um, but yeah, good shout, Valtteri Bottas. And yeah, he kept three. He kept P three throughout the weekend. And they do say that consistency is key. Jimmy, what's your honourable mention? I would say Daniel Ricciardo, um, simply because um, he held off uh, Science for about seventeen laps. Um, and I thought that science was going to get past him at some point, but he managed to finish ahead of uh, ahead of science, which is, is really good. Uh, and hopefully, it's be a change to his form 
that she's been experiencing at McLaren. Yeah, because that Ferrari was faster than the McLaren this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you really think that it's it's all over? Hamilton 7, no. Uh, do you really think that Ricardo has finally got over that hump and he's finally got used to the car? I hope so. I mean, he did still finish behind Norris, but it's his first top five finish of the year. Um, and he's a world-class driver, so I'm, he must be getting close to it now, and I really hope he is. I suppose the thing is that He's not only getting used to a new car in McLaren, he's also getting used to a new engine uh, with Mercedes. Mm. I know Lando's getting used to that Mercedes as well, but at least he knows the team and the cars, so that that might be it. It's a bigger change than going from Red Bull Renault to Renault. Um, That could explain why it's taken a bit longer than in previous uh, team changes, but hopefully... For, for Ricardo, for McLaren, for Formula One, because who doesn't want to see Daniel Ricardo doing well? Uh, Ricardo's going to be back and hungry. It'll be a big race in terms of proving that. Um, my honourable mention has to go to Charles Leclerc. I said earlier in the podcast, at the beginning, in fact, that he led 50 laps. He He had a great opportunist move, just quickly sweeping past Hamilton while... Hamilton got it back together after something happened with him and Verstappen. I'm not too sure what. But most people would have assumed after the race restart that Hamilton would have been past Leclerc. But in fact, Leclerc was further ahead than Verstappen was. Uh, after the second restart, he pulled away and he, he looked quite comfortable. He controlled the race and showed the world that he is one of the top drivers if not the top driver in Formula 1, who knows? Um, he showed great awareness and um, he is potentially a reason why he's better than Verstappen, in my opinion. The way that he actually saw Hamilton gave him racing room and the only reason he went off the track coming out of Stowe after being overtaken was that a gust of wind hit him and he, he got a snap, he said he was saying after the race. So... It's not like he just ran wide on purpose or because of a lack of talent. That, that's just what happens sometimes. But he is Ferrari. He's passionate. And I can't wait to see him fighting at the front with Verstappen and hopefully Hamilton too if Ferrari can get their act together in time. Who knows? He might be fighting those two in Hungary. We will see. So we had some good shout outs there. There was, there was plenty of people to give an honourable mention. Anyway, I think we've got to one of our favourite moments of the show, and that is the AJ on the line, line of the week. I'm going to give the honour to Jimmy to begin with this one. Uh, my AJ line of the week is Toto Wolf and his line about saying um, it takes two to tango. Um, I thought it was a very good way of explaining the whole situation in a nutshell. Well, that that phrase was made for moments like this, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. So, yeah, I th- I thought Toto Wolf came out with some corkers, as I've already said this weekend. But that was a very fitting way to describe it, and I thought he was more measured than Horner, which is understandable given that he actually got the win. So. Yeah, he wasn't as measured <laughs> when he was talking to Michael Massey earlier in the race. Joe, 
What is your AJ on the line line of the week? Well, you said you wouldn't go with it, but I'm gonna. I'll, so I'll stick with the Total Wolf theme and go for. Uh, I've just sent you an email, which is uh, you know, it's pretty interesting that he's decided to uh, pop up uh, Outlook three six five in the middle of a race and uh, just sent a little email. Kind regards. That's almost as Karen-y as Christian Horner. <laughs> yeah. <He's>, uh, yeah. <laughs> So that was really good. I wonder if he signed it off with a kind regards or just regards. Uh, I imagine it was just regards. I hope this email finds you well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I like Massey's response. Sorry, I don't check my emails during the race. Yeah. <laughs> my line is a more serious one. Is that is Lewis's quote about Verstappen after the race, saying that he's not going to be bullied by Verstappen. Yeah. I think. That's poignant, given the title fight between these two drivers that, well, Verstappen's uncompromising. And Hamilton, I would say, he's a street fighter, but he's smart as well. Um, but the fact he won't be bullied, that could make for some interesting television and live sport as 2021 continues. So we'll make sure that we tune into Hungary, because my sensible prediction... If we roll smoothly into that segment of the podcast, did you see how smooth that was? Of course you didn't. It was that smooth. Um, my sensible prediction is that either Hamilton or Verstappen, whoever's on the inside line, they're going to run the other person wide in Hungary. There are two corners at the beginning of that track and they lend themselves perfectly for running your opponent out wide. So let's see who's on the inside. Joe, what's your sensible prediction for the Hungarian Grand Prix, that is? Now, we've always had this in the non-sensible predictions. I'm going to go put this in the sensible prediction. George Russell is going to score points at the Hungarian Grand Prix because Hungary has always been one of Williams' best tracks. If you look at George's recent performances, Q Q3 in the previous two, if he can get it in Q3 again, it's harder to overtake in Hungary. So, could it be... A sensible prediction that George Russell will score points. I like your logic there, JC. I like your logic. We will see. That's the beauty of this thing. Jimmy, you're a sensible man. What's your sensible prediction? My sensible prediction, simply because McLaren and Lando are doing so well, is that Lando will go on the podium. Ooh. But in which position? Do you know yet? No. Either. I, yeah, maybe he'll win. I don't know. Probably not, but probably third would be a sensible prediction. Okay, so let's stick with you, Jimmy, on this one. What is your Banzai prediction? My Banzai prediction is that Lewis and Max will collide and they'll both drop to the back of the group. I feel like that's a sensible prediction after what's just gone on. The touch paper has been lit. Yeah, it's a good point, yeah. But okay, they will both go to the back. So you're saying that they'll clash but they'll both carry on yeah one will get a puncture maybe and then one will get a front wing damage or something like that okay okay and they both have to pick. i like your style speaking of style joe i'm gonna say a bottas victory now that might seem unlikely because why would mercedes uh let him but i think contact between verstappen and hamilton is very likely and they may well lose positions because of it and i think bottas might just get Get lucky, get a bit of clear track, 
you know, he might qualify third, find himself in first as the other two drop back, sail away. Do you think that Mercedes are going to be as competitive as Red Bull and even Ferrari at Hungary, given their lack of downforce compared to the other two? Um, they've they've always seemed to. I mean, the the thing is, um, they've always seemed to go okay at Hungary. Like the other tracks, they've struggled at. They've always like been a bit of a struggle. They've they've always seemed to go okay at Hungary. So maybe they will be all right. It will be interesting. I mean, I I've my. Banzai prediction is that Leclerc wins the race mm-hmm. because Ferrari, I think, will be as strong as they were in Monaco. Good chassis as well, very good chassis. Good, good chassis as well. And if Verstappen and Hamilton do get together, we know that he's able to get the get in the mix. He's he's like a modern day Daniel Ricciardo, um, <laughs> stealing a race when <laughs> the other two collide. It's like Ricciardo used to do when. Hamilton and Rosberg yeah. used to tango quite a bit. Um, mm. But that will be interesting. I do like a good race in Budapest. And there have been quite a few in the past, haven't there? It's one of those ones that seems to bring strategy into play. Um, and that's... And even the boring... Boring... Race, I did I did inverted quotes there, but no one will be able to see it. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> inverted quotes boring parts... Um, I've had interesting strategy to make up for it this year, so hopefully carries on in the same vein. So thank you very much for listening, and thank you to Joe and Jimmy for your insight. If you want to get a more in-depth description of the race, and why I picked what I picked, head over to my blog post on ajontheline.com. And whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else, please do leave a rating and a comment. Let me know what you think of the race, and let me know who you think was at fault of that incident. The next race is the Hungarian Grand Prix. It's in two weeks' time, and we can't wait to speak to you then.